0: Last night, we, we dealt with uh, the backdrop of our lives. We dealt with God and how powerful and amazing and awe-inspiring he is. We dealt with Satan and how he works in our lives, the, the whispers, the lies that he places in our hearts and in our minds. And we dealt with us, God's creation. And when we left off, Adam and Eve were in the garden, just as God had planned, just as God planned had wanted. And that's where we're going to pick up today. You know, we, we have this thing inside all of us called a sin nature. It's this desire, this inward desire to sin. And you know, you know how I can tell? I have kids. And I love to use my kids. I love to talk about my kids. I have a, uh, an eight-year-old. Her name's Kenzie. I talked about her last night. She's the one that came and watched the Marvel movie with me. And she is just like me she is the most like me she she is every bit a sinner just like me and so uh one day when she was 4 we were taking her to uh the cheesecake factory with her sisters and we we were meeting some friends there and so we gave the whole speech maybe if you're a parent here one of the leaders you understand this like we gave her a whole speech we're like okay we 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 gave it to all our kids but really we were thinking about her okay so so when we get to Cheesecake Factory, you have to be good. Like, please, mommy and daddy were meeting friends there. We were new to Fresno at the time, and, and we were just getting to know people, and we're like, you gotta we gotta really, you know, make a good first impression. And so we're in the car driving to Cheesecake Factory, and the speech is over. And all of a sudden, we hear from the back of our third row in our car, let's be bad. Let's be bad. Let's, it's her, it's Kenzie. And, and she's just chanting over and over, let's be bad. And I, my wife and I, we were just going, what, what, what did we do wrong? What did we do wrong? And then we had to come to the realization we didn't do anything wrong. That the same sin nature, the same chant, let's be bad is present in all of us. See, we all have this desire for the things that Satan makes attractive. And so for her, she was four, she didn't know any better, but she knew we told her not to be bad. And so what was she going to do? She was going to be bad. And so we're going to pick up where where we left off yesterday, Adam and Eve in the garden. And God's going to give them kind of the lay of the land. God's going to show them what's for them, and what's not. We're going to be in Genesis. If you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis. We'll be in chapter 2, chapter 3, and then later we'll get to Romans chapter 1. So put your finger in Romans chapter 1, but we'll be in Genesis for a little while. Starting in Genesis 2, I mean, uh, Genesis 2, verse 15. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it, so this uh, this Hebrew word for put the Hebrew word for put it means to to put for the reasons of rest and safety, so for the reasons of rest and safety so God. Looks, we, we covered this last night, but God looks at man and he 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 sees that it's very good. And he 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 wants to to enjoy this relationship with him. And so he takes man and he puts him in the garden for the purposes of rest and safety. It's like God saying, Hey, I got you. It's like the God of the universe saying, I, I'm gonna care for you. All of your needs are gonna be met. Here in the garden, I'm I'm your God and we're going to walk together and we're going to live out this eternity. I've got you. And so we see the primary responsibility for Adam and Eve was just to live with God, to do relationship with him and to worship him. Now to understand worship in the garden, you you have to really redefine what we think worship is. See, for some of us, we think what we just did was, was worship. And it was. That's worship through music. But we can worship with our lives. When we get to heaven, we're not just going to be singing songs to God 24 /7. It's not going to work like that. See, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, they were to worship them, but they were, worship Him, but, but they were also to keep the land, to, to c- take care of it, to, to, to rule over it. and worship something that we do with our whole lives. We't we'll just do it with our voices, we do it with our lives. Going to school can be a form of worship. You may hate it, but it can be a form of worship. What you do, the heart that you approach school with can be a form of worship. Uh, This one you you may like a little bit more. Eating food can be a form of worship. What do you think about when you're eating? Are you grateful that God gave you taste buds? Are you grateful that that he gave you food to enjoy? That can be an act of worship. Sports can be an act of worship. What are you doing out on the field? What are you doing on the court? What is is your posture as you go out there? Are you playing to honor God or to honor yourself? Do you want glory for God or do you want glory for yourself? If your priorities are in the right order, then, then playing sports can be worship. Anything we do can be worshiped if it's done with a heart of gratitude to God. And so we see the the secondary responsibility in verse 15 is to to cultivate and keep the earth, the garden. And so Adam and Eve were meant to rule over the garden. The original plan for humanity is that Adam and Eve, that that humanity would rule over all the beasts of the field and and all the birds of the air and, and everything in this world that lions and tigers and bears would submit to humans. That, that was the goal in the garden. And so Adam and Eve are, are meant to be responsible for the place that they dwelt with God. They're to cultivate it and keep it and cherish it. And then in verse 16, it says, "'The Lord God commanded the man, "'saying from any tree of the garden, "'you may eat freely.'" This is what I picture. I don't know what fruits you like. I don't know what vegetables you like, but, but I picture him standing in a vast orchard. Like an orchard that just continues for miles and miles and miles, full of the best fruit you've ever seen in the history of the world. Like we're talking, we're talking the best apples you've ever seen. We're, we're talking about, the best peaches, the the most ripe and and, and giant and juicy peaches you've ever seen. We're talking about pineapples for days. We're talking about strawberries the size of my hand. That's what I picture. I I don't know if that's what it is, but I know whatever it is, God gave to Adam and Eve to meet their every single want and desire and need. See, he put them in the garden so that they would enjoy life, so that they would have oranges that are the perfect combination of sweet and sour. This is the the garden that he put them in. I I started to ask the question, uh, what would it look like in our lives? Well, one thing you have to know about me is I love ice cream. Anybody else love ice cream? Anybody not love ice cream? Like you hate it? Iffy? Okay. Maybe you just haven't found your right flavor. Uh, So I love ice cream. So the the way that I kind of think about this is what would it look like if I lived in a cold stone? It's pretty amazing, right? Like lived in a cold stone and, and calories weren't a thing. Like you could eat... What, however amount of ice cream you want, you could eat whatever flavor you want and calories didn't affect you. You didn't, you didn't have to worry about your weight or or, any, or your blood sugar. You didn't have to, to worry about anything like that. You, you were put in the garden of cold stone and now all of a sudden you're, you're able to live out of that. And God goes, listen, Mike, you can, you can have whatever flavor you want. All of these flavors were meant for you, all of them. But in verse 17, he says, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, from it you will surely die. The literal uh, translation is, is for in that day you eat it, you eat from it, you will die, die. Like he wants to make sure you understand Adam and Eve. If you eat from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Die. Death will come. And so in verse 17, he says, Live in the garden of Coldstone. You can have any flavor you want, you can enjoy every single flavor but one. Don't eat this one. Now, if it's coffee flavor, I'm good, right? I don't like coffee, I hate coffee. I don't like coffee. I don't like drinking coffee. I don't like anything about coffee. It's bitter aftertaste, which in the land of pastors is very weird. Uh, pastors drink a lot of coffee. We're kind of known for that, but not me. I'm different. Uh, if you haven't been able to tell, so so um, so he says you can you can eat from any tree, except for this one, except for this one tree. And so what we see is. Is we see, um, we see Adam and Eve start to ask the question. I mean, we get it, right? Like, if your parent think about Kenzie, my daughter, we told her to to not be bad, and she wanted to what? Be bad. We tell you don't touch the hot stove as a kid, and what do we do? We touch the hot stove, and we don't regret it until after we've tried it, right? We we tell you not to not to. Go into the snack drawer and, and eat a snack, and you go into the snack drawer and you eat all the snacks we we get it so so God says, don't eat from this one tree. you can have anything you want, but don't eat from this one tree. Now you got to ask the question why did God put this one tree in the garden? you know if he had just if he had if he had left that one tree out then Adam and Eve would have never sinned. If, if he had left that one tree out, then, then we would be living a very different life. So why did God put that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, we don't know for sure, but, but I, think, I think it was because he wanted choice. I think it was because love without choice isn't love at all. And so the curiosity sets in for Adam and Eve and, and, and God warns them of the fruit of their curiosity. If they are to rebel, if they, if they do rebel, they're gonna, they're gonna experience death. But it's not because of the, the, this tree, of, uh, the fruit from the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, it's not because it's some sort of killer fruit. It's not poisonous. It's because of disobedience. It's because of the disobedience. And so not only were were Adam and Eve intrigued by what they couldn't have, but they had this bad influence in their life. They had this bad influence that was telling them, whispering to them to do something that they knew wasn't right, to do something that they knew God had told them not to. And so Genesis 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And so we see Satan at work. We, that's why we talked about him last night, because we can't understand the, the rebellion of humanity if you don't understand that Satan is at work. If you don't understand how Satan works, you have to understand that that's the serpent, Satan, is more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And so Satan comes to Adam and Eve and he, he prays on their desire. They, they, they still, they were, they were intrigued most likely with, with this, this, this fruit from this tree and he, he starts working in subtle ways. I don't know if he's done that in your life. I don't know if he, he's worked in subtle ways in your life, but, but he has in mind, he, he starts to plant seeds of doubt in the heart and the mind of Eve. And he suggests that maybe... Maybe just this God, this, this all benevolent God who, who loves them enough to place them in the Garden of Eden for, for safety. Maybe this God who's given them everything they could ever hope for or want as humans. This God, maybe he just it, he doesn't have their best interests. In heart. Maybe he's withholding goodness from his creation. And I wonder if you think that ever. I wonder if if in your circumstances you wonder if God is withholding goodness from you. I wonder if you, you look at your circumstances and you wonder, God, why are you not giving me what's good for me? Because Adam and Eve, this is this is what Satan did. He starts to to convince them that, that there's something better than what God's plan is for their life. He starts whispering this lie into their into their hearts. And then in verse two, it says, the, the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The start of the fall was not believing the lies of Satan. It was distorting the word of God. And today in 2022, this is where rebellion starts. So it starts with us looking as, as followers of Jesus. It starts with us looking at God's word and, and going, I don't think that's what he meant. I like to call it the salad bar religion. Have you guys eaten at a salad bar ever? No? No? All right, a few of you. So, like, a salad bar is, like, this place overflowing with milk and honey where you can get whatever you want. And you can leave, like, you can leave the stuff you don't want. So I'm, like, onions are out, tomatoes are out. Like, all of the gross stuff is out. And I'm, I'm like, I get to pick whatever I want, which is usually just meat. Like, I love meat. I'm, like, I'm picking meat and I'm maybe a little bit of lettuce. It's a salad bar, so I feel like I have to have a salad that's, that's the concept of a salad bar. But when we bring, it's fine when it's food. But when we bring it to our faith, it causes all sorts of problems. So we, we start to look at God's word and we open it up and we go, I don't really like that part. That, that's probably not what God meant. He, he probably didn't mean to actually put that in the Bible. I have, I have family members that are walking that way. So that can't possibly be what God said. And we start to, to pick apart God's word like, like we do at a salad bar. The things we don't like, we we throw away, and we just keep the things that we do like, which is usually just like the grace part, because we really like that. Like we really like the fact that that, that we won't have to, we won't have to answer for the things that we do. But you know what we throw out? The consequences of sin or, or sin itself. We're like, I, I don't really want this to be sin. Like, I really want to indulge myself and my flesh. And so so since I don't want it to be sin, I'm just gonna ignore that part of the Bible. Just tell me about the love of God. Just tell me about the grace that he wants to give me. And we start to, to say things like, God couldn't possibly have meant it that way. Or you can't take everything the Bible says seriously. And in in verses two and three, we see Eve starts to to twist God's word in three ways. First, she diminished the gift that God had given them. She didn't understand the the truth that that God had given them an entire garden filled with fruit that they could enjoy. She didn't understand that that God had met their every hopes and desires in the garden. She lessened the blessings that God had given her. And I don't know if you relate with that. Like, I don't know how many of you wake up every day and, and think about the blessings that God has given you in your lives but, but we're, we have a tendency to do just that. We, we, we diminish the blessings. We diminish what God has given us. And we only fixate on what God left out. And then Satan sets in. And he starts to pick apart at that, the, the one bad thing, the one trial that's going on in your life. All of a sudden, that becomes the biggest thing. She diminished the gifts that God had given to Adam and Eve in the garden but she also overrated the restrictions. She's talking to Satan and she goes, that one tree, God said, we can't eat of it. We can't even touch it. Is that what God said? Legalism sets in. This is a crime of the Pharisees. Thousands of years later, we see legalism sets in and now all of a sudden we're creating restrictions that God never put on us. We're defining what we can and can't do by, by human wisdom, the things that we say should be. It didn't start with the Pharisees. It started with Eve in the garden. She starts to distort God's word. And then finally, she underrated the penalty. I got to believe that if she knew thousands of years later what, what this world would look like, she would have never eaten of that fruit. I gotta believe that if she knew that because of the fall, we would get diseases like cancer, COVID. If she knew that we would get things like murder, kidnapping, human trafficking, she never would have eaten of that fruit, but she diminished she diminished the penalty. She, she, she thought, "Well, did God Satan says it himself, did God really say you would die?" And all of a sudden we see her going, "Yeah, probably not. Death probably isn't isn't going to happen." And then in verses four and five, it says, the serpent said to the woman, "You surely will not die a direct." opposition lie to God's word. We experience that today. Satan still speaks this way. No, you don't need Jesus. You just need to live a good life. It doesn't matter what the Bible says, just be good. Just don't fight with your brothers and sisters. Just honor your mom and dad and and, and everything will be okay when you stand before God. he's He's gonna see that you lived a good life. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And then in verse five, he says, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve had the same problem Satan did. Pride. They wanted to be like God. They were intrigued by this promise that Satan made and they they gave away everything just so that they could experience what it's like to be what they were never meant to be. I just think that if this lie was believed by Satan and this lie was believed by Adam and Eve, are we not believing the same lie today? Do we not believe that sin is not really that big of a deal? Do we not believe that that God... God didn't really say that. See, I think rarely do we find someone that wouldn't call themselves a sinner. I think in the, in the West, in America, we're pretty, pretty used to the idea that we're, we're sinners, but, but it's all too common to find people who believe the consequences for sin aren't really that bad. You hear people that say everyone goes to heaven or I'm really a good person. And then in verse six, Eve's gonna give Satan space in her head. He says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her. Instead of focusing on the truth of God's word, instead of focusing on the blessings that he did give her, she listens to the lies of Satan and listens to the, the lies that says she needs more than what God has to offer that there's something better than what he gave to them. And the results of abandoning God's word and believing Satan's lies is that the first humans rebel against God. The first humans rebel against the God who created them, the God who loved them, the God who, who watched over them, the God who had a relationship with them. And then thousands of years later, the apostle Paul would write a letter to a church in Rome. We call it the book of Romans and he would tell them that this this rebellion started in the garden and that verse six was still going on. And what I want, I want to read through it. I want want to read through it and then walk through it. I want you to think, could this letter have been written in 2022, maybe to our churches? Starting in verse 21 of Romans chapter one, he says, for For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. They made idols out of things. They started to worship other things besides God. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I wonder if that letter could be written to our churches. I wonder if that could be written about our society today. See, it says in verse 21 that, that, that there was evidence of God all around them. Not only was, 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 do we have general revelation, creation, not only do we stand out here and we, we look at the trees and the mountains and the, the moon and the stars and, and the sun that keeps us warm but doesn't kill us, and, and, and we look at this perfect creation, and it just screams out God but they also had believers in the church at Rome, witnesses of what was true. And it says that even though they knew about God, they did not honor him. They did not give thanks. They started to believe lies and their foolish hearts that became fixated on something other than God were darkened. And then in verses 22 and 23, they do something that I, I, I do. I don't know about you. I, I do this all the time. I profess to be wise, but I become a fool. They, they started to, to believe that they knew best. They started to believe that they knew better than God what, what was good for them. I do that all the time. I do that all the time. And I'm I'm guessing you do too. You know, the Bible tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our own. and, And I don't know if I live that out enough in my life. And then in verse 24, we see the heart of God. So God let it happen. He gave them over to the desires of their hearts and he'll do that to us. He doesn't want to. He longs for us to choose him. But but if we keep going back to our sin, God will give us over to it because he didn't create machines. He created people capable of relationship. And the beauty uh, about love is that someone chooses it. I think about my wife. Look, there was a time, we broke up for three years. Uh, we, we dated, uh, we broke up for three years, and then we got back together and got married. That's the very short version of that. Those three years, I would give anything to force her to marry me. Like, I, w- I would have I given anything because all, all I wanted was to have her back. All I wanted was to, to to live out our lives together. All that I wanted was for her to be convinced that I was the best person for her. And and I, during the time, if you told me I could I could make that happen, I would be very interested. But three years later, when God worked a miracle in our lives, when I say a miracle, I mean a miracle. He he just. He just melted the hurt and the pain. He melted the three years of us hurting each other as we tried to figure out what it looked like for us. He gave us forgiveness that I couldn't have found on my own. And 14 years later, I look back and I'm so grateful that my wife chose me. I'm so grateful that I have a wife that wants to be with me every day, that wants to talk with me when I get home from work, that wants to to hang out with me after we put the kids down, that wants to parent with me every single time our kids are kids. I'm so thankful that my wife wants to do things that I love, even though she doesn't like them at all. Because love without choice is not love at all. It's you being a robot. And so God looks at his creation and he gives them over to what their heart's desire was. And then in verse 25, it says, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Some things don't change. In the garden, this was the sin. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. In Romans, just a few years after Jesus dies, in Rome, the church, Paul writes to this church and and he says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And every week, Pastors at all of our churches stand up and they say, stop exchanging the truth of God for a lie. This is the human condition. This is what we deal with, this sin nature. So what does it look like for us? We're not eating bad fruit. What does it look like for us to exchange the truth of God's word for a lie? Well, maybe it's that we're distorting the truth about sexuality. Maybe we look at God's word and we start to say, God doesn't really want me to wait till marriage. I mean, Jesus says he came so that I would have life and life abundant. And we start to define that as that I have everything I've ever wanted. So, so if we want to, to, to go beyond what God's word says, we can, because Jesus wants me to have the abundant life. And we start to twist the word of God. And now all of a sudden, we can give ourselves away to anybody we want. Maybe we twist it about Gender. We start to go, yeah, God created a male and female. But I know people that don't feel like either of those 2 So it There's got to be a third option or a fourth option or a fifth option. And we start, to, we start to redefine God's word. Yeah, he said he created us male and female, but did he really? Is that really true? And culture starts to define what we think about God's word instead of God's word. Maybe it looks like pride. Maybe it looks like vanity. Maybe it looks like us being selfish and putting others way back behind us so that we can take care of our own needs. Maybe it's bullying. Maybe it's us making other people feel small just because it might make us feel a little bit better about who we are. maybe it's lying i don't know if you've ever told a lie i'm guessing you have that's rebellion and and i just wonder as we as we go through these these, this list, are, are there others that we can think of? Are there uh, addiction, right? Addiction, that's, that's rebellion. It's us relying on something other than God. It's us finding our needs in something other than God, vegging out and getting away from the world and numbing ourselves to the, to the reality that God created. And instead of depending on him for the hard things, we turn to alcohol or drugs. Rebellion. This is a new one in the last 20 years about what you do on the internet instagram snapchat whatever that new thing is where you live whatever you're i don't even know what is it called no the live the one like you have two minutes to blah 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 what is it be real yeah they want you to be real that's how about you just be real How about you just be real and don't post it? You just be honest and authentic and real. What we do on the internet, you guys, cyberbullying is is everywhere. Sending pictures to other people that they should never have access to, that's on the internet. Yelling at people, arguing about stupid stuff with people because you're not actually face-to-face with them. We put a computer in front of us, and now we think we're invincible. Yes, rebellion is everywhere in our world. And I'm guessing, no, I know every single person in here has a heart of rebellion. Every single person in here right now is a sinner because it starts in the heart. For Adam and Eve, it started in the heart. For Satan, it started in the heart. They diminished who God is. They elevated who we are. And then they said, I'm so great that I should have whatever I want. And the question we have to wrestle with is, is that rebellion really that bad? That's what we're gonna talk about tonight. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for the ways that you're moving already in camp in the hearts of these students. I'm grateful for the relationships that they have with their leaders, that that you're beginning to foster conversations about what it looks like to to live out this world that we are in, the reality of this world, a world of spiritual warfare, a, a world of, of rebellion and Lord I, I pray that you would you would put on the hearts of my friends here the sins that that they're still hanging on to, the rebellion that that weighs them down that's in direct opposition to what your word says. God, I I just pray that they today would feel the depths of their depravity, that they would feel how low their sin takes them so that when we get to the good part, they can feel the heights of your grace. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.